At University of Virginia Health System, we're for bringing advanced care closer to home. So we're bringing health knowledge directly to you with UVA Health System Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. This year, more than 55,000 Americans will develop cancer of the head and neck. Which are the most common forms of head and neck cancer and what treatment options are out there? My guest is Dr. Mark Jameson. He's an otolaryngologist, head and neck surgeon, whose specialties include head and neck cancer. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jameson. What are the most common head and neck cancers that you see? Well, the term head and neck cancer is actually a very broad term. We use it to refer to um, all of the cancers that occur in the head and neck with the exception of brain and eye cancers. So that include cancers of the skin, salivary glands, the thyroid gland, sinuses, and the team at UVA manages all of these types of cancers. But the most common um, brand of head and neck cancer that we see is a squamous cell carcinoma, that occurs in the mouth that we refer to as the oral cavity, the throat or the pharynx, and the voice box or larynx. And as you said, you know, that's a relatively small number of cancers in the United States every year. But in our practice, because it's dedicated to head and neck cancer, that's what we see predominantly. What most commonly causes these cancers, and are any of them preventable? Well, the biggest risk factor for head and neck squamous cell carcinoma um, is tobacco use, uh, and that's been well established for a long time. So that includes smoking and also chewing tobacco. Um, and we know as well that excessive alcohol use is also a risk factor. Uh, well, alcohol is not as big a risk factor as smoking. When the two are used together, they're more than additive. So there's a synergistic effect between those two things. So classically, our head and neck cancer patient has been a long-time smoker and someone who's used uh, uh, alcohol frequently. Um, however, in the last decade, we've seen uh, the emergence of a new form of throat cancer that is caused by the human papillomavirus, or HPV, and most folks are becoming aware of this. The virus is often acquired early in adulthood and uh, then often resides in the tonsil tissue for a long period of time, sometimes decades, before it causes cancer. Um, and what's interesting is that, well, the uh, incidence of smoking-related head and neck cancers is declining over time. Actually, the, the incidence of HPV-related head and neck cancer is rising steadily, so we're seeing that change in our practice. Dr. Jameson, what are the most common symptoms? Because I think this is, you know, one of the scarier cancers for people because they think of their ability to talk and to eat, you know, to swallow. So what are some symptoms that might scare somebody or send them in to see you? Right. Well, the you're right. It is a scary cancer. It affects very important parts of our day-to-day life. Um, and there are a variety of symptoms, but they tend to depend on where cancer occurs. The cancer usually develops as a mass uh, at what we call the primary site, and that mass sometimes has an ulcer or an erosion that's very painful. Um, so uh, often the presentation is, for instance, with uh, an ulcer in the mouth that isn't going away. Uh, sometimes folks present with a, a painful or loose tooth that is sort of out of the ordinary for them. If these cancers arise in the throat or the voice box, then often folks don't 
see or feel a mass because they can't look there, um, but they might notice pain when they swallow or difficulty swallowing, not being able to eat things that they could eat before, or they might notice a change in their voice uh, and sometimes even difficulty breathing or shortness of breath with exertion more so than, than their baseline. Um, cancers in the throat interestingly often cause ear pain just on one side because of the nerve wiring in our uh, head and neck there's nothing wrong with the ear but it's referred pain to the ear so sometimes we see folks that have ear pain just on one side and then as these cancers begin to spread they will grow in lymph nodes in the neck so sometimes um, patients just present with um, uh, a lump in the neck or something maybe they notice when they're shaving or um, uh, you know doing their daily routine that there's a lump there often it doesn't hurt um, but sometimes it does so really a- any of those symptoms um, that linger for uh, you know more than a couple of weeks are concerning to us and uh, those need to be evaluated and how is it diagnosed dr. Jameson so um, we diagnose by obtaining uh, a tissue biopsy, and the way we start when there's just a concern for a lump or a bump or some pain is we do a full physical exam. Uh, we look in the mouth and the throat. Uh, we feel the neck. And then in our clinic, we're able to actually, uh, with the patient awake and comfortable, um, pass a small uh, camera through the nose um, and down into the throat so we can get an excellent look around at the back of the tongue, the throat, the voice box. Um, and that allows us to see something that might be of concern. If there's something of concern in the mouth, often in clinic we can get a small piece of that tissue. Or, or if there's a lump in the neck, we can put a tiny needle into that just with a patient awake in our clinic. Uh, and You know, a little bit of pain, but not too bad. And we can send that tissue to the pathologist and they can answer the question for us. If it's something uh, further back in the throat or in the voice box, then we, we usually have to put folks uh, to sleep in the operating room and do a procedure where we look back there, examine everything, and also get a piece of that tissue to send to the pathologist. So if you if they test positive for one of the head and neck cancers, then what treatments are available? Because again, as scary as these are, there are really innovative treatments out there that can help live this normal quality of life. Sure. Um, in general, as with other cancers, there are really three big options, and those are surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy or medications. Um, uh, occasionally, we can use just a surgery or just a radiation, um, but many of these cancers need to be treated with a combination of the two. So often, we'll do an operation to remove the cancer and follow that with some radiation or use radiation and chemotherapy together. And occasionally, we need to use all three for the more um, difficult uh, cancer. Um, we really work to provide a treatment that uh, not only provides the best chance of a cure, but also provides the best chance of preserving function, as you mentioned. So since we breathe, talk, and eat with, with the mouth, throat, and voice box, um, 
we really need to think about how our treatment will impact those functions. So we're really trying to optimize how a patient will function after their treatment. Now, for cancers in the mouth, we the the treatment of choice usually is to remove those, um, and often that can involve removing part of the tongue or part of the jawbone, which can be very debilitating. So we have developed ways to transfer tissue from other parts of the body to reconstruct those areas. We can take bone from the leg to reconstruct the jawbone or tissue from the forearm to reconstruct the tongue and return a lot of the native function to to those folks. Uh, Cancers in the throat have usually been treated in the past with radiation and chemotherapy. Um, But a lot of these now, because of HPV, are occurring in younger folks. And radiation and chemotherapy has some downsides in terms of impact on, uh, long-term impact on swallowing, risk of secondary cancers, and some other risks. So we're now trying to operate on these if we can. We're using uh, the Da Vinci robot to operate through patients' mouths and remove these surgically so that we can usually eliminate their need for chemotherapy and often reduce the dose of radiation and reduce the related um, side effects. For cancers in the voice box, obviously folks want to maintain their voice if they can, and so we try to use radiation and chemotherapy for those um, in very creative ways so that folks can keep their voice box if possible, but sometimes we do have to remove the voice box, and when we do that, we have special valves that we can put in after the voice box is gone to help folks restore their voice. And part of our team uh, specializes in restoring voice and helping folks get back their communication skills if that's what has to happen. Um, so that's not a, uh, none of these are really a perfect scenario, but what we work at is developing an opportunity to get the patient as much back to normal as we possibly can. And Dr. Jameson, in just the last minute or so, why should patients come to UVA Cancer Center for head and neck cancer care? Well, I think there's a few big reasons. First of all, this is a fairly uncommon cancer, and yet it's really what we spend our time doing. So we have a great experience um, with this illness. Um, We have a team of experts that works in a multidisciplinary way, and we're able to provide very complete care. Uh, We offer a comprehensive array of treatments and uh, surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, as we mentioned, um, and we have all the folks that are needed to... um, uh, to get that done, in addition to surgeons and radiation oncologists and medical oncologists, we need speech and language specialists, we need dental specialists, eye care, we need nutrition and pain management, physical therapists, all those things, and we have them all here uh, and committed to caring for these patients. Um, and as we talked about, we have some exciting advanced treatment options. We have specialty reconstructive skills, um, that really return people to great function. We have an opportunity for uh, uh, minimally invasive robotic surgery, and we have um, brand new uh, concepts in radiation oncology that are helping us reduce side effects in addition to some new drug trials uh, in the chemotherapy area. So lots of opportunities for folks to get the very most uh, advanced care in the field. And then I think finally, you know, this entire team that takes care of these patients, I know them all well. And while being some of the best uh, docs in the country, um, they are also committed to very compassionate patient-centered care, and I'm very proud of the care that we provide to patients here. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Mark Jameson. For more information, you can go to uvahealth.com. That's uvahealth.com for more information on the UVA Cancer Center. You're listening to UVA Health System Radio. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.